You're listening to Just a Pinch Podcast with Injector Kristen. Join me and industry experts as we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the aesthetics, wellness, and fitness industries. Today's episode is going to be about how to choose a safe and responsible provider and, and practice for your aesthetic needs. We're going to be talking a bit about bootleg aesthetics as well, one of my favorite topics. Uh, if you are a licensed professional working in this industry, you've probably heard and seen about some of these practices before, and they probably just grind your gears and make your blood boil. So we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, Because remember, just because somebody is properly licensed and technically has all of the boxes checked, it does not make them safe, it doesn't make them properly trained, and it doesn't make them exactly what you're looking for. So let's dive into it. So today we're going to start the episode by talking about bootleg aesthetics. When I say bootleg aesthetics, I'm meaning aesthetic practices and treatments that are not FDA approved and are being performed by unlicensed professionals. I don't even like using the word professional. They're not professionals. (laughs) Um, They are unlicensed people within this field. So to be licensed and legal to inject Botox or dermal fillers um, in this country, you have to be at least a registered nurse a physician assistant, a nurse practitioner, or a physician, so an MD, a DO, any of those designations. If you don't have one of those designations, you are illegally injecting people. Uh, So you cannot be a medical assistant, a licensed practical nurse, an LPN, uh, an ultrasound technician, a radiology technician, a tattoo artist, uh, a cosmetologist. In this country, you cannot legally do that. Overseas is a little bit different. Britain is kind of terrifying in who they allow to do injections. And because of that, they do see substantially more complications and poor outcomes than we do. So there is method to our madness here in the States with who we allow to do these things. So bootleg aesthetics, we're going to start off by talking about needleless injections. (sighs) Needleless injections. Needleless injections you are mostly going to see with needleless lip filler. And this comes by using a device called, there's a bunch of different names. I'm going to call it the Hyapen or Hyaluronapen. There's a million different names for them out there. You can literally buy them on Amazon. Please, for the love of God, don't. Um, You can order them from all sorts of websites online. You do not need to prove that you have any special licensing, training, or abilities. They ship it to your door. And then you go online and you order bootleg filler because that's what it is, is it's bootleg filler. Um, unless you are a licensed medical professional with any of those designations. And honestly, as a PA, I cannot open up an account with MERS or Allergan or Galderma and order my Restylane or Juvederm or Belotero or Radius. I can't. I need to have a supervising physician. So my supervising physician, Dr. Brown. So all of our ordering is done under his licensing because he is taking that responsibility to say, yep, this practice is able to inject these things. So he has the account. I do not. So I assure you that Betty Cosmetologist down the street definitely is not ordering her own Juvederm or Restylane. Um, Definitely not from the manufacturers. And if the filler is not coming from the manufacturer, you don't know what it is. Uh, Anybody can design 
uh, a similar looking packaging and claim it to be one thing or the other. But unless you are ordering it from the manufacturer, there is zero way to know that what you're injecting is the that actual product. And most of the fillers that you're going to see are going to be coming from China. Um, I'm going to be talking about a case a little bit later in this episode. You can get filler for as little as $25 online. And that's terrifying to me. That is absolutely terrifying. You do not know what that product is. You don't know if there's been any safety testing. There's no regulations. And they're literally selling it to anybody. So stay away from that. So that bootleg product or filler, even if it's real filler, even if it, even if you somehow do get your hands on legitimate Juvederm, Rustalin, etc., you load it up into this device and there's a setting on it where they choose kind of the power of the pen and then they hold it up to the lip and they push a button and it uses high power pressure to then rocket propel this filler into the client's lips. Zero precision, zero accuracy, precision, Kristen, hello. Um, so you, you don't know what depth it's going at. And these practices are going to tell you up and down that, oh, no, we control. We know. We know. We've been trained. We know exactly where it's going. You know, we're really good at this. Look at my portfolio. I don't want to hear it. Um, we have precision with needles. When you're injecting lips with a needle, it's a very tiny needle. And we know exactly what depth that is for positive aesthetic outcomes and also how to help reduce the risk of vascular occlusion, uh, filler migration and lumps and bumps and just a whole bunch of other poor outcomes from filler. When you're using one of these pen devices, you're not getting that. Um, if you like to think of this little glob of filler that's being injected as kind of like a, a comet, it's being shot through the skin and into the lip tissue it's not that that entire glob of filler is going to go as one cohesive unit into a certain part of the lip and then spread out nice and uniformly. It's going to be just a rocket blob. So it's going to leave a tail of, of product behind it, which means you're going to have filler in superficial planes of the lips, in mid-levels, and then definitely in levels that are too deep. It's going to look terrible. It's, I mean, all the cases that I've seen and uh, people that have come in to see me, and it's not that everybody that's coming in to see me is coming to see me to fix their lips. I could be seeing them for Botox or something else, and then they talk about their lip experience. It doesn't look good. It's lumpy. It's bumpy. Uh, that filler can be placed on levels that can disrupt the blood vessels. You can still get a vascular occlusion with these pens just as, as much as with a needle. I mean, honestly, probably more because there's no... There's no accuracy to it. You can't control that depth and you definitely cannot aspirate. Aspirating is when we pull back on the plunger once we have that needle in place and we're looking for blood return to go into that syringe. And if we see that blood return, we know the tip of that needle is in a dangerous place inside of a blood vessel. So you know not to push that product. You're going to take it out, reposition it, re-inject. Always after, after aspirating first. With these pens, there's no aspiration There's because it's, it's not a plunger. It's just a rocket-propelled pressure air system so all of the safety checks that we use with needles you cannot do with this device so very dangerous poor outcomes I've never had anybody in my chair and I've looked at their lips and been like oh my gosh your lips are so beautiful where did you get them done how did you get them done tell me about it and they say oh you know what girl I had needleless injections with a Hiya pen that is on my list of of 
very high up on my list of, of top things that have never happened and never been said. So enough. Stop trying to convince me that you're getting good results and your clients are so happy. They're not. They're not. I've, I've never seen it. Uh, so am I throwing shade? Yeah, I am. And rightfully so, because you're also drumroll please here, the people that are doing these injectables, because I'm not going to call them injectables, they're not injectables, this needleless injection are not medical providers. They're not RNs, they're not PAs, NPs, physicians. If this was a good technique that was leading to good results, we'd be using it. The aesthetics industry would have adopted that as a protocol for doing lip filler, but it's not for so many reasons, so we don't use it. So if the professionals are not using it, we probably shouldn't be doing it. So the people that are performing this procedure, they could be a variety of people. Uh, and I'm not pointing fingers in any one direction. I'm not trying to throw shade on these people. I'm just saying these are options of where I have personally seen it. Um, and it could really be anybody. So they are often trained by other unlicensed, basically untrained people over a one to two day course. Uh, they could be medical assistants, tattoo artists, lash technicians, nail technicians, uh, beauticians, cosmetologists, hairstylists. I mean, the list quite literally goes on. Um, microblading artists or tattoo artists. Um, I mean, literally any of them. Radiology technicians, CNAs. I mean, the list could go on and there's no point in going on with that because my point is is that these people have not had the proper education on any level to be safely putting these products in somebody and using devices that should not be being used for this purpose anyways. Um, people are also using these, these pen devices for other reasons other than lip filler. They're using it for like bootleg Kybella injections to try to reduce the, the fat under the chin and in other areas. Talk about no precision. Like that product needs to go into the fat layer to actually A, do what it's supposed to do and B, avoid a lot of complications and side effects. So useless. Don't do that. Um, you'll oftentimes hear that being done as like fat dissolver or mesotherapy. Um, I'm somehow seeing them touting Sculptra. Um, via this device and also using the term Sculptra, which shame on you, that's not Sculptra because you can't buy it. Um, and that is extraordinarily high risk for nodules and complications and all sorts of problems. Sculptra is one of those substances that really needs to be placed on certain layers of the skin and at certain concentrations to be able to do what it's supposed to do. So just stop it. Um, a lot of these practices will also be offering different device type of treatments, uh, body contouring, uh, fat reduction, like cryo, claiming it to be cool sculpting or um, that they have M-Sculpt or M-Sculpt Neo or I mean any of these devices and they will oftentimes call it by the actual medical device name when it is not similarly to being able to purchase like Botox and fillers and open accounts with these manufacturers, these devices are also medical devices. So not anybody off the street can just go on to AbbVie's website or Allergan and order themselves a cool sculpting machine or go on to uh, the, the M-Sculpt site and order an M-Sculpt machine for two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> uh you're you can't you cannot because these are medical grade which means that if they are used improperly can really cause damage uh, so 
if these unlicensed non-medical providers are claiming to have these devices in their spa salon business, uh, it's not only false advertising, but they are quite literally trying to dupe you and they're likely using a bootleg device that they ordered from China. Um, these devices come from China. They are a fraction of the price. They may still think they're dropping money on it because it's a couple thousand dollars. Some of these devices are over $200,000 a piece. And so if you're paying five grand, that might be a lot of money to you. That's a drop in the bucket compared to what these actual legitimate devices cost. So be very wary of that. Unless you're going to an actual medical practice, a medical spa that has all of the checks and balances of licensed providers and, you know, they have all of these things, they cannot offer those services. So that's my little bit on that. So now, um, actually, one more thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the um, the needleless injections, especially for like lip filler, or any type of filler that where they're using it, uh, is back to that thing of the vascular occlusion. If they get a vascular vascular occlusion, they quite literally can't fix it because the way that we treat vascular occlusions is with hyaluronidase or in the states Hylinex, um, up in Canada Vitrace. And that's an enzyme that's prescription only that we inject into different areas to then dissolve away that filler. So that's a prescription medication. So once again, these people that don't have prescribing abilities or working under the ability or, you know, working under a physician who can order it, they don't have that. And anybody putting filler in somebody that does not have instant immediate access to hyaluronidase is, in my opinion, full-blown red flags you know, waving everywhere for unsafe. And you should not be getting that done. Um, you can cause a lot of permanent irreversible problems to somebody if you cannot get them dissolved properly. Uh, and I'm going to go into next, you know, talking more about the hyaluronidase and emergency protocols because it's not just these unlicensed people doing bootleg aesthetics uh, that have these problems with safety protocols and just overall safe practices. Um, but that beautician, cosmetologist, tattoo artist, whoever it is that's doing these needleless injections for you, they, they literally cannot help you. Uh, and we can also only hope that the product that they put in you is indeed hyaluronic acid and is dissolvable. Um, I've had plenty of people in my chair who we've been trying to fix and we're trying to reduce these bumps and lumps and unsightly lips from having these needleless injections done. And sometimes you can't dissolve them because it's really not hyaluronic acid and Hyalinex only dissolves hyaluronic acid. So that's a really big problem. So if you needed another reason to say no to these places, that's another one. They can't fix a problem that they cause. And we can only hope that a real professional can help you. And we can't guarantee that. So when it comes to these needleless lip fillers, another point, bear with me. They still have all the side effects of getting your lips filled with a needle. You're still going to be bruised. You can still swell. You can still have pain. So everything that you would go through with getting your lips properly filled, but without any of the precision and without any of the, the positive aspects of it. So once again, add that to the list. Uh, so overall, you know, if you're at 
your cosmetologist office, you're getting your eyebrows microbladed or lip blushed, uh, you're getting your nails done and your lashes done, and they say, oh, hey, we also offer this. Say no. A lot of these places will not list it and put it in writing on a website or on their social media because they know it's wrong and they know it's illegal. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the health departments, they just, it's not on the top of their list of things to deal with and they're not going to be dealt with properly. So if somebody's offering you a service that is not on the menu, not listed on the website, and they have no rhyme or reason to be doing it and are unlicensed, freaking run away. Absolutely not. Okay, so... Next, I'm going to be talking about a case of a lip filler gone wrong, not with a needleless injection system with actual needles, but to another point of red flags when looking for a provider. So there was a case that was brought to my attention in Connecticut a few years ago, right in my local area where somebody, it was a friend of a patient, reached out to me looking for help. She had gone to the home of this person for lip filler injections. Red flag number one, you don't get injected in somebody's home. I, I mean, I shouldn't even have to tell you why that is dangerous and also disgusting, but you do not get injected in somebody's home especially filler, especially filler. Uh, red flag number two, this person that was doing the injecting is a nursing student or was a nursing student. So they were unlicensed, had not completed their training. Odds are had had zero aesthetic training. So nursing student injecting people out of her kitchen. What I was told about this case was that not only was she doing those things, she was reusing needles on people. And for that, that's there's multiple reasons why that is absolutely unacceptable. Number one, I mean, cross-contamination, hello. Like that, I should, you, that should just be number one. Reusing needles. And the way she was trying to clean them in between patients was boiling them. So she'd have them in a pot of boiling water and then put them out on a paper towel to dry. So again, real sterile, real clean. So reusing needles. Number two, I don't know about other providers, but when I'm injecting lips, I'm using multiple needles. I'm changing my needles constantly because they get dull really fast. And I mean really fast, like a couple pokes and you're ready to change your needle tip because... It gets dull. It gets painful. You lose that precision. And she's reusing them on multiple people. I mean, unbelievable. So this poor patient went to this nursing student to have her lips injected. And the product that was put in her lips, and I looked this up, was quite literally $25 filler that was ordered uh, online. It was either from Amazon or AliExpress or from China, one way or another. And it was $25 for a syringe. Quite literally, I saw it on sale for $25. I saw the picture of the box that it came in and I looked it up, $25. So $25 filler was injected with dirty doll needles in this woman's kitchen. I have no idea if any antiseptic was even used, if the skin was cleansed. I don't know anything about that. Clearly, there was no medical history taken, consents taken. I mean, I, I, the number of things that had not happened, I can't even imagine. But those are 
not even the important pieces here. And this poor patient ended up with an absolutely horrific, abscessed, infected set of lips. That filler got infected. Her lips got infected to the point where they were like weeks later swollen like overstuffed sausages to the point that they actually ruptured. And she had infected filler and pus coming out of her lips. And when she reached out to this nursing student about this complication, this student told her to put some bacitracin on it and thought that that was appropriate. Just put some bacitracin on it. I saw the text message thread. I saw screenshots. Like, I, I, I have the receipts, so I'm not making this up. Put bacitracin on it. Not, oh my gosh, you need to be seen by a doctor. You need to go to the emergency room or an urgent care or you need to go somewhere immediately. Put some bacitracin on it. So high quality follow-up care as well. Uh, I told this friend of this patient that they needed to immediately be seen for infection control and referred them off to be seen immediately. And then I also referred her to be seen by a plastic surgeon to help manage this because I didn't know to what level follow-up this was going to, going to require or if it was going to need some serious incision and drainage and surgical recorrection. Um, so that's what's happening here. I tried my best to report this case, but a lot of the times, even though the people that are getting these injections by these people or they know of people that are getting injected in these places, they protect them. I think because they're more scared about getting in trouble or I, I mean, I, I don't even know. I, I can't be inside the brain of somebody like that, but um, they protect them. Won't give out names, won't give out addresses. All I knew about this one was that it was a nursing student from Rocky Hill. So unfortunately, I don't know now if this nursing student was able to get away with this. Uh, I watched the news and never saw anything. Um, I tried calling the local health department. Of course, they were of no help because I was of no help. All I had was useless information to them. Um, so I don't know what actually happened to it. And I can only hope and pray that she did not complete and finish her nursing degree. And I can only hope and pray that she is not a registered nurse now administering any type of treatments, cosmetic or medical, to any patient because, in my personal opinion, she should be in jail because every single thing that she did was illegal on every single level and she harmed somebody and took zero responsibility. So I don't really know what to say from there. So how do you find a safe and reputable practice? You know, I don't say all these things to scare you, but I say all these things to scare you because it's so important. You only have one face. You only have you only have one you. And poorly injected filler and dangerous filler and filler complications, even filler done with the utmost care in the best hands can still lead to life-altering and life-changing complications. But when you're not licensed and you're not properly trained, your chances go up even more. So you need to make sure that the practice you're going to for your injectables and your medical treatments is licensed, 
that they have a medical director, which is either going to be a, uh, a physician or a nurse practitioner, and that every person performing service there is properly licensed and the practice has malpractice insurance, and ask to see their products before they're injected into you. Know what's being injected. Know what's going into your body and ask if where they're getting their products from. Are they getting them from a manufacturer? Um, one little sneaky thing that's a good way to find out if they have an account with uh, the manufacturers is ask if they're part of the loyalty programs. Are they a part of Ally, Aspire, any of those loyalty programs? You as a practice cannot be a part of unless you are ordering product from them. Like, for example, um, I personally don't inject Juvederm in my practice. So when I go into somebody's alley account, but we do we do Botox. So somebody comes in for their Botox treatment and they want to do their alley points. So they come in and I can put in, you know, that we did their Botox. I cannot put in their alley account that we also did a filler to try to get them more points. A, that's fraud. And B, they know that we don't order filler from them like that. They know that we're not ordering Juvederm. So that's another little check and balance. So ask if they have the rewards programs. Now, mind you, that's not surefire. There are probably some practices out there um, that are ordering from manufacturers and they just don't want to have anything to do with the rewards programs. And that's fine. But it's a nice, quick, easy little way to, to kind of have an idea if they are or not. The next level of vetting is asking about the education and the training of the providers that are performing services. Ask where they went to school. Ask where they underwent their aesthetic training. Uh, ask if they've taken cadaver classes. What kind of conferences and extra trainings do they go to every year? Working in aesthetics, this, this industry is, is ever evolving. It's changing constantly. And if you're not attending trainings and going to conferences, you are being left in the dust. The techniques that we used to inject five years ago versus what we do today is so wildly different, it would make your head spin. And that's because we're keeping up with continuing education. You're learning about different safety protocols and complication management at these conferences and these trainings. So don't hesitate to ask your provider where they're getting their training from. It's a really important indicator to see how much they genuinely care and how seriously they take their training. Some providers will have just attended a one to two day course in injectables. And a one to two day course in injectables is, is fine for your first exposure to these treatments, but that's not where your education needs to end. That's literally just reading the introduction to the book. That's just getting the slightest taste on your tongue of what you are going to be doing. It is. It does not make you knowledgeable and ready to work in aesthetics and be injecting people regularly without having an in-house mentor and doing more treatments on people with, with monitored practice and training and attending more trainings. It's not enough. So if your provider has only undergone the one to two day Botox and filler course and they'll claim to be certified, there's no real certification. I mean, anybody can create a certification. I could create today the Kristen Gem Medical Aesthetics Master Injector to the Stars 
uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame certification. I could do that. I could make that happen and I could hand it out to people as I see fit. They could pay me a certain amount of money, come in, listen to me sh- talk about my spiel. Um, I mean, I can choose what they should do or not do. And then I give them their certification. So it's meaningless. These certifications are technically meaningless. Even the ones that come from some of the bigger companies. It's more of a certificate of attendance, in my opinion, versus a certification. Because there's no greater governing body uh, in our country, or I think anywhere, uh, for standards. The one thing that I do think that we have in the United States that's wonderful, and I would love to see this rolled out across all the professions and make it so much more standardized is uh, nurses have what they call I-SPAN. And it's a, a group that is, I mean, I, please don't don't tear me apart, nurses. I don't know a lot about I-SPAN. I know it exists. I know very little things about it. So don't castrate me if I'm wrong here. And please feel free to educate me more about it in the comments or shoot me a DM or an email. Please, please, please. I'm not trying to be ignorant. But my point is, is that ISPAN is a group where nurses can then get their certified aesthetic nurse uh, certification. They get a CAN, C-A-N-S. Um, so if you're being injected by a nurse, if you see CANs at the end of their certification, like thumbs up. Awesome. That that gives them that extra leg up. It doesn't mean it's the end all be all and you don't have to worry about anything. But that means that they've proven that they've done a certain amount of hours, different types of education. Again, I don't know what all of the, the things are, uh, but I love that they have that. Because what we lack here is there's no one governing body and organization that gives aesthetic medical providers a true certification, maintenance certification. Uh, There's nobody governing us. So it's all self-governing. And that's why there's so many unsafe practitioners out there. Um, So in my opinion, we need a body that can do testing. Like I I would love it if we had a board certification in aesthetic medicine, but we don't. And even plastic surgeons and dermatologists, they may be board certified in that field, but that doesn't necessarily that include aesthetics. Aesthetics is really its own rogue cowboy wild west thing. Uh, you know, I've seen plenty of poor work come from the hands of dermatologists, board certified and board certified plastic surgeons. This is throwing no shade at them, but I'm saying that it exists. And we've all seen poor work come from these physicians. And I have seen knock it out of the park, home run, absolutely stunning, safe, beautiful work come from registered nurses. So some doctors will tout themselves as being better trained and you're better in their hands than anybody else's and they think that you should only be seeing a physician for these things and that's untrue that's unfair and that's false information it doesn't matter what your medical designation is what matters is your continuing education within aesthetics because just because you're board certified plastics board certified derm board certified whatever you want to be board certified in it doesn't make you proficient in aesthetic medicine. I hope that makes sense. I hope I'm not being offensive. I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to be realistic here. Uh, So it would be amazing if we had that. And I want patients to realize that that doesn't exist. So you're going to see master injector certifications and I'm a master this and a master that and a like like it's it's goofy. You can be a, a master supernova 
fucking spectacular. I mean, like, it's goofy. It's goofy. I mean, like I said, so take these certifications that people claim that they have and look at them more as certificates of attendance versus a certification. They're good. They're absolutely good. It shows that they're doing ongoing maintenance and they're doing education, but they are not certified in anything. A really important thing that I want all patients to ask their providers is what's your emergency protocols? Knowing this before they put a needle in you is so important. Ask how much hyaluronidase they carry in their office. And if they have experience treating complications and emergencies, just because they keep Hylinex in stock doesn't mean they have any flipping clue how to use it. It doesn't mean that they need to have had a vascular occlusion in the past. They need to be trained and undergone training and know how to treat them. So ask your provider. Ask them that. I have what I like to call an oh shit kit. It literally says oh shit kit on it. And it is for all things complications and side effects. Uh, we keep epinephrine in there, vials of epinephrine, EpiPen auto injectors, steroids, hot packs, cold packs, all sorts of cannulas and needle sizes, syringes of all size, uh, bicarbonate, saline, bacteriostatic water. I mean, you name it, you name it. We've got it all. We've got everything. I mean, that's just a tip of the iceberg of what's in there. And that's so that if something goes wrong, you know, I'm not yelling for somebody to go grab all these multitude of different things. They grab the oh shit kit and they come into the room. So everything comes with you. So you have every, it's like a crash cart for aesthetics ultimately. Uh, and I think that that's really important to have too. Everybody will have their own different types of safety protocol. I'm not saying you need to have an oh shit kit, but that's what works for me and you need to do what works for you. Um, but as a patient, you need to ask. You need, these are super important questions to ask. And as a rule of thumb, uh, when it comes to Highland X, because we don't expect you to know exactly how many a provider should have on stack, um, typically speaking, I would feel comfortable being injected with filler by somebody that keeps at least eight to 12 unopened vials of Hylinex within expiration date on hand. Um, if they have more, absolutely amazing. And I mean, in theory, you should have more because these days we're doing a lot more elective dissolving than we are um, emergency dissolving. So you're going to go through those. So you should always have 8 to 12 as your, your insurance policy that should be untouched and ready for emergency. And you should have more on top of that that you're then using on a daily basis um, for these elective lip dissolves, um, lumps, bumps, whatever you're fixing. Um, so that's my two cents on hyaluronidase and the oh shit kit. Um, a really important thing that I want to bring to light um, and another injector who I really respect brought this to light um, this past summer. Uh, her name is Injector Zoe. She's on Instagram at Injector Zoe, uh, Z-O-E. And she's fantastic. She's a DNP. She's uh, a licensed um, nurse practitioner. She has experience in primary care internal medicine. Um, I don't know her full resume, but I know at least that much. And then she has two practices for aesthetic medicine in New York City and then in Miami as well. And um, I respect her a lot. And I also respect the fact that she's not scared to ruffle some feathers and, and call people out on their bullshit. And something that she called out this summer that I think is really important is social media followings not being equivalent to 
skill and ability and safety. So she called out a practice that had, I mean, honestly, probably hundreds of thousands of followers. Like if you looked at their account, you would have thought that they were the shit. You would have thought that they were, I mean, they touted themselves as being like international artist offices all over the world. A, red flag. I mean, are you genuinely licensed in every single state and country that you're claiming to work in and have all of the right paperwork documentation, medical providers, medical directors, insurance and everything in all those areas? Doubt it. And that's the stuff that she called people out on. And I think that that's really important because social media is unfortunately a huge piece of aesthetic medicine. And it's a big part of where patients are going to look at portfolios of work. That's where they're seeing a lot of befores and afters and getting to see a little bit of the personality of the different providers that they can choose from. Because there's so many to choose from. How would you know who to call up? You just do a Google search, you'll see some Google reviews, but there's no pictures on Google like that. So Instagram is a huge piece of where we're getting that information. Now, just because somebody has a big Instagram following, and by big, I mean like tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of of followers, does not mean that they are licensed. It doesn't mean that they're safe. And it doesn't mean that their outcomes are genuinely good. A lot of before and after pictures can be photoshopped, they can be altered, and a lot of providers in the industry know, especially if you're a top provider and you're really well-known around the industry and really well-respected, Julie Horn can attest to this one, your photos will get stolen. People will go on to accounts that have content and are true. Julie Horn does some of the most beautiful lips in the world. People will steal her before and after photos and put their name on it and post it as if it was their own. And it happens a lot. Luckily, nowadays, when a provider sees that their photos have been stolen, they can put up a post about it and we can kind of, you know, form a mini army together and get those pictures taken down and inform the public that this provider is is stealing intellectual property and also falsifying what they can do so like huge red flag so just because somebody has a lot of followers does not mean that they're safe does not mean that they're licensed does not mean anything followers can be bought it's not difficult pictures can be doctored so you have to be careful when it comes to social media and deciding who you're going to go see based on that. One of the best ways to find a good provider in your area that you want to go see is through referrals. Ask your friends, your families, your coworkers, people that you know that get work done that look really good. Ask who they see. Referrals are one of the most common ways that I get new patients in. My patients come see me, they're happy with their outcomes, and now I'm seeing their friends, their family, their coworkers because they feel confident coming to see me because they've had that first-hand review coming from somebody. So that's a really great way to find somebody in your local area who you're comfortable in seeing. If you're trying somebody new for the first time that you've had no experience with um, and no first-hand reviews coming from, schedule a consultation. They may charge you for the consult. It may be complimentary. Every office policy is different. But schedule a consultation. Go in and talk to them first. Sometimes it can be a little bit aggressive to just jump right into an appointment and not feel like you have the time to really ask them the important questions about themselves, about their practice, and about their protocols. So during that consultation, that'll give you time to ask all the questions that you want. And honestly, go in with questions on your phone. Sometimes we get overwhelmed. We forget about things that we want to ask. Write them in a list. 
have your aesthetic list of questions to ask people. Um, if anybody wants one, I will post them. I will post the questions that I think you should ask every medical aesthetic provider before you allow them to touch you. Uh, that's really important to do. So consultations, take advantage of them. And don't ever let your provider rush you if you have questions. Uh, make sure that you're reading the consent forms word for word and asking questions. I get really frustrated as a provider when I hand somebody a consent form and they legitimately don't read it, don't even look at it, and just scribble their name on the bottom and hand it back. Like that is not informed consent. That's a, that's a useless piece of paper that you just signed. You don't know what you just signed. You don't know what you just signed your name to. And it's important that you take a moment to read them and see if you have any questions. You don't know what you just consented to. Sometimes there's going to be photo and video clauses in, in a consent form. And you don't know if you just consented to them posting your full face on social media without, you know, any other documentation. Like you don't know what you just consented to. So read your consent forms and ask your questions. Don't allow your provider to rush you. If you feel rushed or you start getting just kind of a weird feeling about the, the office that you're in and you feel uncomfortable, don't continue the treatment. Don't feel bad about saying, you know what, I'm not comfortable moving forward. I think I'm going to stop. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, office policies will be different. I can't guarantee you that you'd get a deposit back or that you won't be charged something for something. But guess what? Getting charged or kept a deposit for your own safety and personal outcomes is, is worth it, in my opinion. It would be worth losing $150 to know that I'm not about to be maimed. So that's my personal opinion. So in the description section of this episode, I'm going to put a link to uh, a license, licensing verification website where you can go on and every state has a different one. So the one that I'm going to post is the one for Connecticut. Every state is different. So if you go into Google and you type in uh, like li medical license verification um, and your state for Connecticut, it is if you type in um, CT e-license verification it'll pop up but I'll put a link um, in the description below and that way you can type in the first and last name of your provider and you can see the status of their active licensing so if you go in and you put in my name Kristen Gem k-r-i-s-t-i-n last name g-e-m-m-e -E, you are going to see my state of Connecticut physician assistant license and you're going to see that it is active and that it is current and you can see when it expires Speaking of which, I need to just send in my certification maintenance so that I can get mine renewed at the end of this month. Thank you for reminding me myself. Um, and you're also going to see my controlled substance license. And you're going to see when it was given and when it expires and that it is active. So it's a super easy way. It doesn't cost anything. Um, you're not going into some database that you're looking at these things. It's just a nice way to know that the person that you're seeing has an active license. Uh, I also recommend doing that. This is totally sidebar for tattooing. Um, if you have a tattoo artist, they should be licensed in, uh, in their state and you can check their tattoo licensing. I mean, you can literally on this website, you can check like, I mean, it's literally anything. If you are supposed to be licensed for anything, it's on there, like agriculture, plumbing, electrician, uh, inspector. I mean, literally everything. I couldn't even begin to tell you. But everything is on there. But so are medical providers. So that's a great resource there. So I will have that in a link below. Um, please feel free to email me or DM me with any questions or comments. Uh, my email address and Instagram handle will be listed in the show notes below as well. Thank you so, so much for joining me today for this little spicy margarita of an episode. And if you're enjoying Just a Pinch, please take a moment to follow and subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Give a thumbs up, 
rate, review on whichever platform you like. It takes you just a moment, but it's really, really helpful in allowing this community to grow and let the, the podcast be more visible to others. Thank you again for listening, and please be sure to tune in next week. Episodes will be dropping every Monday morning at midnight. Just a Pinch podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Jem. 